Good morning, CCV family. Great to be with you this morning. Got a question. Best movie you've seen in the last month? Shout it out in the room, wherever you are. Best, room you, or best movie you've seen in the last month? Lisa and I last week watched a movie on Netflix called Erased. Storyline is this, that daughter realizes that her seemingly normal dad is a CIA agent. And she's absolutely, utterly shocked. And then they go on all these adventures and that sort of thing. Later that night, I leaned over to Lisa in bed and I said, hey, do you think I could be a CIA agent? Because I am a CIA agent. For the last 32 years, I've been a CIA agent. And she laughed. I was like, no, seriously. These, all these times where you're thinking, I'm going on a walk at the Perkiomen Trail with Meadow, I'm out getting bad guys. I really am. And I said, what's offensive to me is that you actually don't think I could be an agent. I said, yeah, I've had multiple back surgeries and I couldn't be Jason Bourne and Jack Bauer and James Bond. I couldn't be those people. But I explained to her that there is a long list of great agents out there that are just normal dads. And here's my list. I told her, Detective Alan Gamble, boom, the other guys. Uh, Burt Macklin, FBI. Agent Michael Scarn, Threat Level Midnight. And the best one of all, Clive Bixby, speaker salesman by day, spy by night. And of course, we want to add to that list Special Agent Brian Jones, the pastor of disaster. Now, at this point, as I'm going through this list, arguing my case, she has completely gone to sleep, reading a book, and, and is completely tuned out. But I honestly think that the vast majority of people that attend CCV would think it's kind of cool if I actually was a CIA agent. And so here's what I want you to do. Put in the comments. If you think I could be an agent, I just want you to type, amen, okay? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The brine's out there holding the light against evil. Now, the Bible tells us um, that we could be living potentially two versions of our lives. The Bible talks about this. Essentially, the Bible is nothing more than thousands of years of history of people who get to live two versions of their lives. Joseph, think of Joseph. He was just some dumb teenager in one version of his life, in the other version of his life, he became a ruler of Egypt. Moses, right? He's a goat herder in one version of his life. In another version of his life, he became a leader of a nation. David, greatest cheat, turns around, becomes king of Israel. Paul, he's an insurrectionist, becomes a leader of the church. There are always two versions of our lives in the Bible. This is, this is not out of the realm of possibility for you to be thinking that I could actually be a different person. Just think of Deborah in the Old Testament, one of the great female heroines of the Bible. Um, Deborah was a wife and a stay-at-home mom. But when countries outside of Israel began to press on her borders and began, began to do terrible things to the Israelites, she raised up an army, defeated 
Israel's enemies and became a ruler of the country. One day she's bathing kids and cooking dinner. And another day in uh, Judges chapter four, for instance, she's grabbing a tent peg from a tent and running it through the skull of one of the enemies of Israel's leaders, Sisera. Judges chapter four, don't mess with Deborah. She was awesome. Now, we're in the middle of this series called Anywhere But Here. And we're talking about how in our, our, our corporate ethos as a congregation that just a lot of us just feel stuck right now. Like we're in a holding pattern above Philadelphia International Airport and we can't land. And last week, the book of Hebrews had some very direct words for us, a very direct challenge about not going back and sliding back in our faith. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the 11th chapter of Heroes at what is called the, the Heroes of the Faith. Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Faith, right? The, the people that you look to in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about these people who live two versions of their lives. There was the before and then there was the after. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the very end of, the, of Hebrews chapter 11. And I want us to ask the question, what was the difference between before and after? Like, what did every single one of these people have in common? Let me read the very ending of Hebrews 11. Look at it says. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, referring to Daniel, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign enemies like Deborah. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with these amazing people would they be made perfect. And so the question is, what, what made the difference between their before life and their after life? There was a before and after for every single one of these people. And it's the same thing for you. You'll notice it right off the bat. Hebrews 11 verse 1 begins this way. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. We, by faith, believe this. Science tells us that there was the Big Bang, but it doesn't tell us who initiated the Big Bang. By faith, the Bible tells us that God created it ex nihilo, in Latin, out of nothing, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, and then it just goes through this list, by faith, Abel uh, brought God a better offering than Cain did. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so he did not experience death. In other words, he was the only person in the Bible other than Jesus and Elijah that was taken up to heaven and didn't die. How amazing would that be? Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so as, as the, the Hebrew writer goes through this long list, the difference is before, your, before life and after is, is faith. It's the person who begins living by faith. Um, after I became a Christian, uh, I created a small group with, with some friends. One of my friends was Jeff Snyder. And his um, mother, Pat, became a, a very influential person in my spiritual life in that very first year. She was a speaker that uh, spoke around the country at different women's retreats. And she was an incredible person of faith. And so whenever we would meet a couple times a week in the Bible study that met in my friend Jeff's house, she occasionally would come and join us. And we loved it. She was just a lot of fun. And I asked her one time what it was like when the kids were small because she, she had shared that they just didn't have a lot of money. They relied entirely upon her income and she never took uh, food stamps from the government. She just totally relied upon God. I was like, well, how did you do that? And she said, Brian, I, I have to be honest. <laughs> she said, I don't recommend this, but this is what I did. There would be times where we wouldn't have enough money for groceries. And so what I would do is I would pull out the checkbook at the store and I would say, Jesus, I don't have enough money right now to pay for these groceries, but I'm going to write this check and I'm going to give it to the grocery store by faith, knowing that you're going to provide. And she said, Brian, I did that when the kids were small, upwards of about 15, 20 years. She said, not one time did I ever bounce a check. Now, personally, I recommend that you follow the Dave Ramsey total money makeover plan. I I recommend that you go to financial peace. In fact, there's still time right now before this uh, week starts that you can join Financial Peace University. Go to ccvlive.com, look up Financial Peace University. You can still join the class. I would encourage you to do that. But still, I was totally taken back by her genuine trust that God was going to meet her needs. I don't know if you know this, there are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. 8,000 promises. All the time, God is making promises to his people and asking them, in the face of what you see right now, 
I just want you to trust. Now, here's the difference between someone in their before life when they do not live by faith and their after life when they begin living by faith. And it's this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Let me read this again. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. In other words, you know this, some of you are married to someone that's a skeptic and they think that the fact that you, you believe that there's a God or you're in a church service and you're singing to a God, they're laughing at you. They're making fun of you because they don't understand and they don't, definitely don't believe that there is a God that rewards those who seek him, like Heber says. And so there are two kinds of people. There are the non-Christians who don't believe in God, but there are also the brand new Christians who are still living like they're non-Christians, okay? Just because you become a Christian, you're baptized, you're following Jesus, doesn't mean you actually are living any differently than what you, how you lived before you became a Christian. It's not until you begin to actually First of all, read in scripture what the promises are and then begin to act like you actually believe that God is going to keep his word and meet those promises. One of my favorite stories is a story in Joshua chapter three. I tell it all the time. Joshua chapter three, the people of Israel, uh, 40 years in the desert, they eventually get to the edge of the Jordan River when they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And God tells them, cross the river. But the problem is the river is at flood stage. It has become this barreling, half-mile-wide raging torrent. And so you can just imagine elderly people and kids, those with small children, thinking, we're going to die. And they were going to die. But God said, I don't care. I want you to walk across that river. I have already parted the Red Sea. You don't think I have the ability to part the Jordan River? So they take one step into the Jordan River and then another one. And now they're knee high and now they're waist high and nothing is happening. Nothing is being parted. But upstream, 19 miles upstream, along the river in a town called Adam, God dislodged, dislodged some rocks and boulders and caused them to come crashing down on the river and essentially dammed it up. The problem is it started when they took their first step into the river, but it took a while for them to actually see the water to go down. And so I'll be talking to someone who's going through an incredibly difficult time and I'll say, what we need to do right now is we need to pray that you can hold on and that you can see God working upstream in your life. You may not realize it, but God is always at work upstream in your life, working according to the promises that he has made you. And so my question is, what does every miracle in the Bible have in common? 
every miracle was preceded by a problem. The fact that you're facing a problem right now, what, financially, relationally, in your health, you're afraid of something happening, you're afraid for someone, this is not new. All of these things have been happening to God's people for thousands of years. But what distinguishes the people that live just like they did before they become Christians and the people that live by faith are the ones who read, understand, and then stand on the promises that are made to us. Faith is nothing more than believing that God is going to keep his word. I remember when my daughter texted me. She said, Dad, I need you right now. I've been in an accident. And I was at home. I was just starting to ride. I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? She said, yeah, I've been in an accident. And uh, I, I go down the road and there's a long line of traffic. And I realize, oh, it's because of this, this accident that my daughter's been in. And fortunately, we, just, we have a wonderful teacher that's in our congregation. She was there and she had her arm around my daughter. And, and so I went and hugged her and... and and my daughter, and then I went and I hugged the person that essentially was texting behind my daughter and, and rammed her. I hugged her too, and I said, honey, it was an accident. You made a mistake. You learned from it. You're never going to do it again. She was just distraught. At no point did my daughter ever think I wasn't showing up. At no point was my daughter ever at risk of me not showing up. Listen to these seven promises of scripture. God will never leave you. Second, God will always protect you. Third, God will give you strength for every battle you face. God will give you the strength necessary to endure all suffering. God will forgive you even when you've sinned against him. Six, God will never stop loving you. And number seven, God will meet your needs. Those are just seven of the 8,000 promises that are out there. We know we're living by faith when we can read that and say, man, I just don't have enough money right now. Or man, I'm, I'm sick or someone that I really care about is going through a very difficult time. But you know what? I could fret. I could worry. I could get angry, I could stuff my emotion, I could do all kinds of things, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna rest right now in these promises. I'm gonna relax in these promises, knowing I trust you. I made a phone call, I know you're showing up. So here's how I wanna encourage you to pray. I want you to follow along with me. Regardless of the situation that you're facing, to live by faith, here's how I want you to begin praying. You pray a prayer like this. Jesus, here's my problem. You promise in your word that, and you just fill in the blank, you'll meet my needs. You'll never leave me. You will always forgive me. You'll give me strength and you'll give other people strength to get through this. So until I see your provision, until you show up, I will rest in this promise. I will not be anxious. I will not fear. I will trust that you're at work upstream in my life right now. Amen. Now, sometimes you may need to pray that prayer 
20 times a day. I know I have. But with patience and with practice, you're eventually going to flip the switch. You're going to stop operating, as theologians talk about, in, in the flesh. And you're going to start operating in the spirit, being able to, to sense and see that God is not only there, but he's at work and he's going to keep his word. Is that you right now? Are you in a situation where you just need to hang on and trust him? Let me pray for you. God, not a person in our congregation has gone through this last season without hanging on for dear life. It could be a family situation. It could be a health situation. It could be a situation at work. It could be a situation with finances, regardless of the situation. None of this is new to God's people. This pa- a pandemic is not new to your people. Your disciples have lived through lots of pandemics. And as terrible as they are, they've learned that they know you're there. They can rely upon you. And that they don't need to be anxious and to fear because you keep your promises. Help us to see that through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.